Good morning. <laughs> I need to take that loop off again. It's good seeing everybody. Um, um, you know, we, um, if you're a guest here, welcome. I'm Jonathan, one of the pastors here. Um, you know, it, it, we, we worship God, right? And we sing these songs, and, uh, and then we dive into Scripture, and, and I think we often um, pull back. Like when we, when we read stuff, and, we're, and this is why we're going through this series, Crazy Things Jesus Said, not, not because Jesus was crazy, right? The assumption in that is that what he said is crazy to us because we just don't like worshiping God in our lives. We like coming in here, and we like worshiping for a bit, and then, but then when, when this, when God's word when the very words of Jesus put constraints on us or, or define how we ought to live or think or act or, or feel, we go, hmm, I don't like that. <laughs> and so this morning, we're going to be looking at one of those. And, and uh, I, I think all of us are going to read it and we're going to go, nah, that, that can't be right. <laughs> because that doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work with my life. It doesn't reconcile well with probably... Some of the questions we had this morning uh, and some of the statements we made this morning and probably throughout this week and the things that we're going to go on. And, and it's basically Jesus saying, don't worry. And I think if there's anything right now in our society is um, I, I think we could afford to, you know, maybe cooperative worry will maybe fix things. I think that's maybe what we think, right? And I think we find ourselves worrying a lot. And, uh, and so what we're going to read are Jesus' words that allow us to thrive, right? Like that's the theme. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking at. That's why we're going to this, right? It's because if Jesus said it, it's meaningful for our lives. If Jesus said it, there's a reason why he said it. If, if it was preserved in scripture, then we believe that God wants us to know it and to apply it into our lives. Why? So that we can glorify him. So that we can find peace and contentment this side of heaven as we live lives that are worshipful, not just for an hour on Sunday, but as we go out and live. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, let me start by praying. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity um, to come before you, to worship you, not just, not just with song, um, but to worship you with our hearts. You say that sacrifices and offerings you don't desire. You want our hearts. You want us to know you. And that's our desperate plea this morning, Father, that you would allow us to see you more clearly this morning and that you would compel us, draw us to the cross because you are worthy. You alone are worthy of worship, Father. And we thank you for this time. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And I'm going to read through all of it, and then we're going to back back up. The verses will be on the screen. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Yeah, I'm like, let's see, this morning I said, what am I going to eat? <laughs> and I said, what am I going to wear? Now, now, he's not saying, right, we can't ask those questions. He's saying, do not worry or do not be anxious about that. And we're going to dig in a little bit later as to what that actually means. But, but what I want us to look at first is his, his support, Jesus' defense for why. So we're going to back up. We're going to look in Jesus' mind. He goes, he goes, let me tell you why you should not be anxious. And then we're going to get into how that actually works in our lives. What's the reason? Look at what it says in, in uh, 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then again in verse 30, he says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, will he not much more clothe you? So what, what he does is he says, you're important. You're more important, okay, hear, hear, hear me this, you're more important than the rest of creation. You guys get that? See, I don't think centuries ago we would have had to defend that point. I think everybody would have gone, uh-huh. Genesis 1.27 says that we were image bearers of God, that God created us in his image uniquely. All of us are image bearers of God. He created us differently, right? He creates everything. He says, that's good, that's good, that's good. He creates humans, and he says, that's very good. You see, maybe the reason we have so much despair and hopelessness is because we look at the grass of the field, and we see it die. And we see the aimless movements of ants and, and birds and animals and that, that one day are alive and the next day are gone. And, and we kind of wonder, is that, is that us? Are we just the same? And if we, don't, if we don't apply scripture to this worldview, right? If we don't have a biblical worldview, that would be the conclusion. There is no reason for hope if we are just the same. We should worry <laughs> because we have nothing to look forward to. But that's not how God created us. He created us as image bearers, separate from the rest of his creation. And so what Jesus says is, you're more important than the birds. You're more important than the grass. I know we would all maybe, I think we struggle with that. I really think we do. I don't, I don't think any of us, I've never said that before in a conversation ever, but I think we do struggle with thinking, realizing that God created us differently. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that's exactly what he says. I want, I want to read for you Psalm 139. 
And I want you to, you don't even have to turn over to it. I mean, the verse will be on the screen, but I want you to just listen, because this is, this is God's words to us. This is how he speaks of us and to us. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Isn't that beautiful? The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. This is how our God sees us. Uh, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and that's beautiful. He doesn't speak these words to birds. He doesn't speak these words to the rest of creation. The rest of creation is beautiful and glorifying to God. And he even says, I'll make the rocks cry out if you guys don't. So he's sovereign over all of these things. But what he, what he says is he loves us differently because we are his children, image bearers of God. And so that's the foundation that he lays. He goes, let me tell you why you shouldn't worry. Because I love you and I'm going to take care of you. Now, doesn't make the question any more easy <laughs> because we're still left with, okay, don't worry. Look at what he says not to worry about. Verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, right? The, the words anxious and worry, we'll get to that later. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Okay. In the military, we go through survival training. There are four things that are fundamental to survival. Food, water, shelter, and fire. That's it. Those are the four things. Like, if you have those, you're good. You're, you know, whatever, whatever, H, not HGTV, whatever uh, Discovery Channel show you want to see, right? Like, those are the four things that you see them working on. Building fire, finding food, right? All those things. He lists three of them. He didn't list fire. I don't know why. <laughs> but he says food, drink, and shelter, right? Shelter is literally clothing as well as, as no kidding, like physical shelter, right? Like, if you don't have clothing, you are going to die from exposure, like, you must have something. And so why, why does Jesus pick those? Because I would argue that, like, those are, I'd go, well, Jesus, <laughs> I mean, this is survival. You can tell me don't worry about, 
what I'm going to do when I grow up. You could tell me, don't worry about what college I'm going into. You could tell me, don't worry about my job. You could tell me, don't worry about whether I'll be married. You can tell me, don't worry about what's going to happen to my kids. Like, those are all things that I think we worry about often. We're like, you know, I understand I shouldn't worry about those things. But food, water, and shelter, like, Jesus, are you, is, this, is this exaggeration? Is this hyperbole? I don't think so. I think what he's doing is he's getting at the heart of the matter by choosing these things to point at. He goes, do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I'll take care of you? Do you you believe that Jesus died on the cross? We're like, yes. Okay, cool. Do you believe that I'll provide you with food and water? No, I don't. (laughs) I mean, how's he going to put clothes on me? I mean, (laughs) I'll I'll go down a different track. How do I know he's going to give me water? How do I know? How is he going to provide this? How does he provide these things? If I wasn't actually like, like does it, is it always just miraculous? Is just like things going to just appear around me? Is that how Jesus is going to do this? Is that how God's going to provide? How does he provide? Look around the room. Right? We're the hands and feet of God. We serve each other. We support each other, right? Emotionally, we encourage each other. Like, these are the things, like, God, God's not going to, like, create. I mean, he, he could, I get. I mean, he certainly could miraculously create some food here if I was starving and I had no other means. But then I think he would look at the rest of y'all and go, can you feed Jonathan? And it goes for all of us, right? Like, we ought to live in a way we are loving and caring for each other. And this is how God intends for us to meet the needs. And this is how God intends for us to meet the needs, not just people in the church, but outside of the church, like across, right? Orphans and widows frequently discussed. Those overlooked, this is what God commands us to care for. Why? Because he's made a promise. And we're the ones that help fulfill that promise. That's our purpose, actually. It's to glorify God by serving and loving on each other. And so, so there's a very, very fundamental, right? He, he picks these very specific things just to dig deep into our heart and just go, really, do you trust me? Do you really? And just ask that question of yourself. Do you believe that if you lost your job, if you lost the ability to make money, or something horrible happened, or whatever, do you think God's going to take care of you? That's a faith question. That's not just, did Jesus die on the cross for me? I mean, that, obviously, that, and that's where we always go to, right? We're like, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus, and I, and I believe that he died for my sins, and that's, and that's of eternal consequence, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but the question is, do you have a relationship with God that says, I trust him? The relationship that we just read in Psalm 139 of God directed to us, do we feel the same way about him? Because I think a lot of times when we read through these things, it seems like it's one way. It's, it's God pouring his love and saying things about us, and then we're like, yeah, kind of. I mean, I feel that way a little bit, but a lot of times I feel like I have to own it. And I think that's real. And I think that's genuine. And I think that's where we go to Scripture and we go, how does this apply to us. Because when we read in Romans 8, 28, 
right? That, that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Like we read passages of scripture like this and we go, well, that means if there's something horrible that's happening in my life, guess what? All things work together for good. God's in this. Why? Psalm 139. He loves me. He cares for me. He cares for me more than the birds and the grass. So when things are going bad, when you go, things couldn't get any worse, when everything is darkness, what is darkness to God? It's light. There is no darkness with God. So no matter what the depths of despair we're in, we go to God and we go, he's light. He's sovereign. And he loves us deeply. That's the God that we can place our trust in. And so, so we lay this foundation, right? And we go, God loves us more than anything else that he's created. And he wants this relationship with us. He wants to know us. He wants us to trust him. And so he picks these things that, that stand out. So look what he says in verse 32. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's not pretend like we can just say, all right, I'm not going to worry anymore. And I think there's this, like, Christian... uh, I don't know. You almost have to say you don't worry, right? Don't we? And say, oh, I'm not worried because God's got me. And then you go home and you're like, I'm worried. <laughs> right? I can't, I can't worry. I can't worry about things because that, that would show that I don't have any faith. There's this great analogy, and, and I, won't, I won't spend a ton of time on it, but it's, it's kind of like, it's like this, uh, you know when your, your window fogs up, um, Right? Like, I don't even know what time of year that happens, but um, I, I should probably know that, but I don't. Anyway, whenever it fogs up, right, you're like, it's almost like everybody's windows fog up. The question is, what do you do about it? What's your solution to the fog? Everybody worries. The question is, where do you go when you worry? That's the faith part of this. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about here, right? So if we're like, you know, my window never fogs up. No, not, never. I don't even know what you're talking about, right? And somebody who's not a follower of Christ goes, man, how, how, do, you, how do you solve your window fog? And I'd be like, I don't know. Never, never happened to me. I just have really good windshields, right? And they're like, well, no, that's not how that works. But that's kind of how we do that with worry, right? I don't know. I, I can't relate to your, 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 your plight. I, uh, I've just never worried I'm that faithful, right? I mean, when we really think about it, it's kind of how we, but let's just be honest. We all worry. And so what he says here is is why. He he gives the root of why we worry. Look at this. Gentiles seek after these. So he's talking about the, the food and the drink and the shelter. Gentiles seek after these things. But what does he say for us? We should seek the kingdom of God. See, this is a matter of what are you seeking? You see this? He ties us not just for some emotional worry. That's not the problem. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He goes, what's the solution to the worry? Stop seeking these things. Stop being consumed by these things. 
Stop having your minds captivated by these things. You find freedom by seeking the kingdom of God first. He goes, then you're not going to worry. You see what I mean? Like, this is where Jesus is going, no, no, no. It's, it's, not, it's not that you need to stop worrying per se. What you need to do is seek the cross. Seek God's kingdom. Because when we are consumed by the things of this world, we start being worried about the things of this world. And we know that to be true. When we're consumed about looking good and how we're perceived by others, we're going to care a lot about what we wear. And we're probably going to spend a lot of money on it. And if we're consumed with comfort and distraction, we might be foodies. I'm a foodie. <laughs> We might like going out to get food a lot, and we might be connoisseurs of, of food and right and drink, and like this is and it consumes our topics of discussion and our minds, and then we're worrying, or or maybe we're consumed by our job and money, and, and ultimately for us, right, that drives all of these things, and we go, Am I gonna have enough? And we start being consumed and captivated by these things. And you guys, this is exactly what Satan wants. He doesn't need to deceive us with these egregious and blatant sins. Simple distraction does just fine. And that's the reality of the life that we live in. It's very easy for us to be distracted especially now. You can't turn on the TV and not get consumed by whatever's there. Or Facebook. Or the internet. Pretty much anything. We live in a world of distraction now. And, and what does Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? What does it mean, seeking first the kingdom of God? It means read my Bible every morning and pray before I talk or say or do anything else. Is that, is that what he's saying? I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. What he's talking about is, is the priorities, right? And, and not just that, but the purpose of your life. Are you seeking God's kingdom, right? We could probably all recite some version uh, of the Lord's Prayer. Mine comes out in King James. I have no idea why. Um, but like, right? Thy will be done. Right? We, we seek first his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. I mean, that's what, we're, that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. Are we about our Lord's business? Have you ever realized that we use a term interchangeably for Jesus, Savior and Lord? you guys ever realized this? When do you use one versus the other? Does it matter? See, I think, I think we, we grab this Savior piece, and we like that title because we can all, we all need a Savior. We all need a rescuer, and we know this. But he's also our Lord, which means he has authority over our lives, and we are created for his bidding to do his will, and we don't like that one as much. 
And so what he's saying here is, I want you to seek first the kingdom. He goes, just trust me on this, right? How many, I mean, if you're a parent in here, how many times have you told your kids, just, just trust me, like this is gonna work. Like, but they don't know. They don't know what you're, what you're asking of them. You're just like, just trust me, I promise you, this will work. You know, whatever it is, right? And it's just blind faith. And they're like, okay, I guess. To some extent, this is how Jesus is saying this. He's like, just trust me. Seek my purposes. And you know what's going to happen to your worry and your anxiety? It's going to fade away. And that's what he promises. There's a promise in this. This isn't, this isn't something he's not telling you like, Rid yourself of this emotion or feel guilt because you have this emotion. What he's saying is, man, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if you would pursue the things of the kingdom, it's going to be beautiful. And listen, we, we all struggle with this stuff, right? We all struggle with purpose in our lives. And it's easy for us to go in different directions. And it's easy for me to go in different directions and be distracted. It's, it's the same for all of us. And so this ought to be our prayer to God. Help me. So we read Psalm 139. He loves us and he cares for us and he wants to help us. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above. I think this is, this is a great one, right? Set your minds on things that are above and on things that are on the earth. And then down in verse 15, he, he goes through all this, and at the end, uh, Colossians 3.15, he says, and the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts. It's the same thing. Set your mind. What's your mind set on? What are you focused on? What are you, what are you spending your time thinking about? All right, so... So now how do we solve it, right? So we, he's, God's given us these, this different way of kind of looking at this. So what do we actually do with this? Now, here's the thing. Like this isn't, he's not saying don't problem solve, don't plan, don't live an aloof life and you're just like, oh, I'm just going wherever the wind takes me. That's not what he's saying, right? Like, like we still have obligations to like do some financial planning, youth. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, right? Like we still should be doing some of these things, right? We, we still have to go like apply for a job, right? We still have to do different things. There's, there's compulsions on our life, but he's telling us not to allow the temporal things to crowd out the eternal things. That's what he's telling us. And ultimately that rescues us from our fears because the world, when we start thinking about these temporal things, what does it create in us? Fear, right? Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It's the same word, sought, seek. So what do we do? What do we do with our worry? We confess it to God. You know, and listen, I, I, I'm worried about this. And I trust you, but I'm still worried. <laughs> he knows it anyway, right? Like this is, this is where we get to live lives of confession and lives that are of relationship, right? I, I worry about my girls, right? I worry about their futures. 
Does it consume my thoughts? Sometimes. Should it? No. I have to remind myself, you're God's children. Right? And this is, this, is what, this is what he does. He gives us scripture to battle our thoughts, to battle our worries. I mean, let's go to, let's go to a couple other ones. When I'm confused about the direction uh, my life is going to go, right? Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's God's will that's going to stand. That's a beautiful one. Proverbs 16.9 is very similar. It's not up there, but you can write it on the margin or whatever. But man... In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Like, you got planning to do, but you're not in control. And so there's comfort in that. And so when we start worrying about these things, we grab a hold of Scripture. We grab a hold of what God has provided for us, and we go, this is what I'm going to hold on to, because he's already provided us with answers. What about, what about if I, maybe, maybe you worry about being good enough. Am I doing enough? Romans 5.8, Christ died for us while we were sinners. Guess what you did to earn Christ's sacrifice? You didn't even exist at the time, <laughs> so you did nothing. But that's the point. He, his grace is unmerited favor. We have not done anything, and so there shouldn't be this worry about, man, I hope I'm good enough. No, no, that's not how that works. Right? That's the good news. That's the, the gospel. Is because we look at the cross and we go, God chose to rescue us from our slavery to sin because we are worth anything, because we deserve anything. No, because of Psalm 139, because he loves us, because he created us to be his image bearers. That's what we go to when we worry. What about falling away? What about losing your salvation? We won't get into the theological part of that, but let's just, I mean... Anybody in here worry about, like, man, am I really saved? John 10, 28, right? That he has rescued us and no one can snatch us out of his hand. It, it is not as if you're gonna be able to even pry the fingers of God open to run out because you are his children. And we can go endlessly through scripture. And man, if this is something where, and this is where the, the community and, and praying, and, and if you're like, I'm worried about this, there's probably a scripture for it. Because God wants to remind us that he loves us. And he gave us his Holy Spirit to convict us and help us recall these verses and these scriptures. And he gave us the church to walk alongside of each other and to encourage each other. Does that mean we're not going to worry anymore? No. But what tools do we have? We remind ourselves that God loves us above the rest of humanity. And that we can trust him with even the most significant of aspects of our lives. The very things that are required for our survival, we can trust him in those. And it's scripture that provides us with the power and the tools to do that. Let me pray.